had to reel me in because we have an adoption event happening at this space ahead of us tomorrow. <laughs> so Demi might be adding a new pet. To specify animal adoption. Because that's the type of adoption I love. <laughs> Animals. <laughs> that's horrible. I didn't mean that the way it came out. I think all adoption's beautiful. <laughs> I just mean I love animals. Anyway, we should probably move on because we are starting off strong. Strong. I can't focus because I just found there's going to be kittens and puppies. So close. <laughs> okay, okay. So anyways, yes. I'm Melissa. And I'm Demi. And this is the Beauty Beast Podcast. Welcome, welcome. And today we are talking about independence versus commission style salon yeah or just any salon right true i guess that salon life at all yeah because it's different Mm -hmm. both are a little bit different yeah so what made you want to go independent or which Hmm. your preference of the two i guess well i think that we could both agree that our perspective like shifted over time because now look at us back into a salon (laughs) setting in a way Um, so I was ready for independence, I think, first and foremost for the business aspect. Mm -hmm. Like, um, that was my first reason for jumping. I just felt like I wanted to know what it was like to run my own thing. Um, I also felt like, okay, like what's my next? Like, I felt like I kind of had plateaued being in a salon setting, in a commission style setting. Right. Um, I think you relinquish a little bit more control. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll jump into that more as we kind of head into the episode. But for me, I think that's what it was. I had hit like my 25 mark and I'm like, so this is it. I'm just going to be like, I, I don't want to say that in a derogatory manner. Right. No, like, not there's at all. Not, for me, I just felt like I... I was craving that change and like being present for myself. Right. So that was where I leapt into um, independent. And then I got myself in a nice little uh, legal dance. So that was fun. (laughs) But um, I wouldn't trade it because it was so much that I learned. But definitely um, that was what pushed me. What about you? Right. So, I mean, I had worked at three salons before I decided to go independent and I guess like for me it wasn't really something that I had ever considered I guess when I started doing nails full-time um it just kind of one day I mean one of my clients you know my favorite client I'm just gonna call her out Alyssa Texas. Yes. (laughs) She'll always be one of my faves. I miss miss her so much. I say our evenings, and she was never my client. (laughs) She was yours. Yeah. Her association. I know. Um, I mean, she started coming to me at the last salon I was at, and one day we were just talking, and she's like, Why don't you go out on her own? Because I guess the girl who did her hair was. Mm Um, your Which friend. is Danny, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. She was independent in a salon suite, and she's like, you could do this. It would be great. And I was like, I don't know that I want to necessarily do that because I had just been doing nails, like, full-time for two years. Yeah. And Alyssa loves her a spreadsheet, thank God, because Excel is, like, my kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> so she just, like, took it upon herself and, like, broke down, like, the cost and, like, everything like that. And 
it, then it was kind of like, wow, when you see it on like paper, yeah, you're it like, was damn. You're like, okay, well, then what am I still doing here? So that mm-hmm. was kind of like the push that got me to do it in tandem with like the last salon I was at. Like it was kind of for me deteriorating. Like, yeah, it was, I was kind of over it. There were some issues. Um, you know, whatever, but... It just didn't feel right anymore. Right. It was, like I've always said, it was good until it wasn't. Right. So, you know, the wasn't was getting... Heavier. Heavier. A lot mm-hmm. worse for me personally. Um, And that's... That when, was when you felt you were ready to... Yeah. And yeah. it was just about, like, making that decision. But once I made that decision, I was all in. Like, I would go in... Like, super early, I would come up to the area after I signed my lease at the suite. I would go there, build furniture, go work my shift at the salon, and go back to finish doing whatever tasks I had, you know, for that day. So, I mean, it was definitely worth it. Like, I would – I'm not looking backwards and, like, regretting anything at all. Yeah. Like, I love working for myself. Yeah, and I think – that's kind of like where we've come full circle and like the space that we work in now because right. we so Julian and I for the longest time like our end goal business wise was once we kind of went through what I went through going independent I was like how do we bridge the difference between the two like mm-hmm. I loved my suite when and like when you first open that 128 square feet you know feels huge exactly. but it slowly gets smaller in time mm-hmm. for sure But I think the isolation was starting to get tougher um, for me once, like, there was people I connected with. And Mm -hmm. I think because I, you know, we both came from the same location and there was so many people, right? Yeah. And that doesn't mean we didn't enjoy a lot of the people there, but um, kind of you wanted some peacefulness. Well, you went, I know you went to one other salon after pre. Yeah, but still. Yeah, like, it it was almost a nice silence for a little while but then you started to miss the positives of being in a salon setting right um which is where we kind of were like okay so how do we bridge that gap between the two originally we thought like our end goal and our business dream was sweets and then we started to be like wait a minute like what about more of a co-working space where you are independent but you get the plus sides of being all together Mm because i you know, a well-ran commission salon, um, you can probably avoid more of the drama, but uh, a, I don't, you know, a commission salon has to be ran perfectly, I feel like, in order to avoid the drama that just comes along with right. um, that salon, setting. Right. Uh, I think, so I guess we can kind of jump into the next part of saying, you know, in more of a salon setting where you are commission-based um there's an aspect where you are working for the salon but it's such a difficult gray area um oh yes yeah and and there's like a whole nother episode where we talk about (laughs) that right oh yeah but well, um, and I know that we have, like, in our notes here to go over, like, pros and cons of both. Right. So, you know, like, that would be a con for me in a salon is are they paying you correctly? Right. And you that's a big thing. And that. I think that that's something that, like, there needs to be a conversation in general. Because to be clear, I think a lot of these salons don't come with malicious intent. It's almost just the assumed 
way until you learn that that's actually not the way at all. Right. Um, I learned from the lawsuit that I went through that there is a way to run a commission salon and there's a way not to run a commission salon. Yes. And I never knew those things, honestly, personally, until I did go through that. Like, you Mm -hmm. kind of don't know what else to compare it to. And I think it's something that a lot of salon owners out there that have probably ran it that way for a long time don't even know. Well, and that was, like, one of the things with the last salon I was at. I think I may have mentioned it before, but, like, I was friends with the owners, Mm -hmm. you know, when she opened it and everything like that. And when she was talking about, like, a pay structure, it was, well, I don't know if I should 1099 or W-2 people. And I was like, well, it, you know, if you're 1099, those people don't work necessarily for you as an employee. Like, they're not your employees. No. They're, they're independent, independent contractors. Contractor. And there's certain things that come with that mm-hmm. versus a W-2 employee. I said, so you really have to be careful with that. Yeah. And that was when, you know, like a year later when our falling out happened because she chose to go with a 1099 route and I changed my schedule in the booking system because, hello, I'm an independent contractor. Yeah. I make my own hours. Yeah. And she had a problem because I did not come to her first. And that was kind of like the, the eye opening part of like, oh, like. Well, and that was like the first bump in the road for mm-hmm. our downward relationship, too. Right. Because I was like, yeah, you can't tell me that because I'm a 1099 contractor. Right. Like, and I know my rights. Mm-hmm. And it, it opens up a big conversation with that. Um, I think that. It's so hard because, like, for us comparing what a salon setting was for the two of us, we kind of both agreed that it, right. it really didn't work in the long run. But I don't think it'd be fair to say, like, a salon setting – now we're back in a salon setting. Right. But it's, it's more about the financial structure of how that salon setting is ran. It doesn't mean that you have to do, like, the thought process that we do at the studio, which is, you know, we rent a chair to each person. Right. It's a booth rental day. salon. Right. Um, so I I guess using that comparison is like the big culmination. It seems like for both of us, why we went independent was a lot of the financial aspect of it. So is there a lot of pros to a salon setting when it's ran properly? Absolutely. I think there's nothing better than having a, I, I think like everybody posts now that saying you're a family is toxic. Um, I don't mean it as like toxic positivity, but I mean like family in the sense that like you have that like support system at work. That you, camaraderie. Right. You like enjoy enjoying, each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe using the word family in like a corporate ladder type of situation <laughs> is different. But I think when you're talking about creative individuals, um, having that support from Mm -hmm. one another especially when you're in a service industry is really important to make your your days you know um run so it's tricky because I feel like this conversation they almost run into each other because I'm thinking of it so much of what our salon is here now right and you know and just because like the financial structure is different like we are still at the very root of it we are a salon right um, you know I think that when we talk about like salon in this 
conversation like coming into this episode like we both kind of assumed that it was like a commission style salon right where you are the employee of some you know of someone an owner or whatever um and like versus a booth rent and I would say like for a commission salon like assuming again that they are paying you correctly and you're correctly Mm -hmm. classified and all of that there are benefits. Absolutely. Like, you know, for when I was starting out, like just doing nails full time, I could have never imagined running my own book. Like I yeah. was like jumping straight into Right. That. Like I, you know, understanding like how appointments were made and everything, you know, like mm-hmm. not necessarily made, but like, you know, everything that goes into like running a book, yeah. like that would have been super overwhelming at the same time as building a clientele. And I feel like if you're in a traditional salon in the sense where there's a receptionist and then there are service providers and things like that, um, like that is a that was a pro for me. Like I literally walked in, I did nails and I left. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to deal with like text messages like, hey, I need to change my appointment or are you accepting new, you know, like things like that so much. Yeah, you were able to just focus on perfecting your craft and honing in on that. Exactly. And I think that that is a good. Yeah, you were able to cut out all the other noise. Right, Right. that is a positive thing. Um, The fact that there was, you know, that I could do walk-ins like Mm -hmm. because in a suite or um, like even in our salon now, like yeah. we don't really get walk-ins yeah, we're because super we're super open about that, right? Yeah. Because we're appointment yeah. based, and yeah. I think like if you're starting to build, you know, your clientele, if you're new in the industry, being in a salon that accepts walk-ins is pretty nice. Yeah, well, especially because it, aside from just building your clientele, it also offers you experience, right? Because mm-hmm. we've touched on the walk-in thing before and how we feel about that kind of um, transitioning into maybe your clientele. You'll you'll hold on to some walk-ins, right. but walk-ins are a little bit of a different version of a client. Of course. Um, no shade. It's just the reality, right. right? So, But the thing is, is you're more readily doing services when you have that walk-in basis. Exactly. Um, so you kind of are able to get more confidence. I think having that separation, too, where you have a receptionist booking you, um, depending on like your type of personality, that can also be another really great thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, trusting, you know, trusting the receptionist to to put the right person in your book to yeah. make that decision for you when maybe you're not ready to say no to something that you're not capable of yet, mm-hmm. but you're going to say yes if they do, reached out directly to you because you don't know how to say no, where when you have a receptionist, they're pairing, you know, people who call in to make an appointment with the person they feel confident you would do best with. Well, and not only that, but let's say you and a client don't mesh well, mm-hmm. you could also tell the rec- the receptionist like, "Hey, like yeah, you're you not don't a good have fit that for like me. uncomfortable you- need to like if they reach back out to book be like, "Oh, I'm sorry. So busy for the rest <laughs> of my life." <laughs> right, um, but I mean, it that right. receptionist is kind of that buffer between you and the client, which I don't always think is a terrible thing, you know? Yeah. I um, also think it helps with guidance, too, of, like, schedule setting up. Um, you know, it's kind of easy in the beginning. I mean, if you talk to me, 
I think I did everything that like that newer push of of uh, stylists and artists coming into our industry would be like, fuck you, you're crazy. <laughs> um, where I worked like constantly, I was right. like nine to nine, you know, right? All, like I'm. That's just my mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have the guidance of somebody setting those boundaries ahead of you, if you feel like you're not a no person in the beginning, meaning they close at seven or they close at eight, right. um, they start at 10, like that offers you structure if you lack structure. Right, for um, sure. Where it's kind of like you have to partake in it so you don't have a choice but to be structured, right? Exactly. Um, that's definitely, I think that could be something that's a plus for sure too. Oh, absolutely. And then not to mention like product, like if you're working for a salon that supplies product, like you don't have to worry about like, what's the, like for me, like what's the newest collection that's out there? And I think product is probably the biggest plus, um, for somebody who doesn't want to be bothered with shopping for their own color. Um, yeah, or anything, color, polish, yeah. lash, It's wild to stuff. me because, like, I'm trying so hard to present, like, the pros. <laughs> but internally, I'm like, no, run. No, I'm kidding. No, I don't really mean run. I've met so many, like, right. that I think my opinion has shifted so much in this last year, meeting really great commission salon owners. Right. Um that has changed my perspective drastically to open my mind to saying it's not all bad on that side. I think my like independence for myself, um, I struggle. Like even saying these things, I'm like, no, go buy your own color, go do all of those things. It's worth it in the end. But no, I mean, there are certain days I think we could both agree when we wake up and we're like, damn, imagine if it was like you just walked in and you just like got your print out of your day and you were like, sounds cool. Right. Yeah. I can't even picture living that life anymore, but you know, it's different. Right. And, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. Like, Like, not. And not everyone is meant or wants to be a independent. Business owner. No, and when I say like I'm saying go do it, it's because of how I feel right, myself. Same it's here. not like judging or looking down upon no, not somebody at all. for choosing a structure that's not the same as ours. Right. Because it I'm just saying for myself. Like uh you know, I I measure both, but I I do say at the same time I loved my time working you know, amongst people, I think we both can agree before that point of it kind of going whatever version of sour uh, from either of our perspectives when we decided to go independent. There were a lot of great things about having that camaraderie and coming in and having your station buddy, um, you know, and and those types of things that the friends you make the people you're talking to like those are all really great pluses of working in a salon setting oh for um, sure that you know you definitely can't deny that is enjoyable for sure right and in a suite you don't necessarily get that I mean not to say yeah. that it can't happen but you definitely have us, to work harder um to, to make create those, yeah. that maybe that you know circle of people or however you'd want to call it exactly um that way you kind of still feel connected. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is, 
I guess when I was typing up like our notes for this episode, like it was really easy to come up with like pros and cons for being in, independent right. and then cons for being in a salon. And then it was like, okay, well, what was great about being in a salon? Right. It I was think really, it's... but I think like if you have like a positive environment, yeah, that changes everything. It changes everything. And like I said, like, I feel like both of us, it was good until it wasn't. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's always that wasn't that yeah. tends to like overshadow the good, the experience right. in and general. I, so, and I think it's also because, like, in our industry, like an exit from a salon. Um, oh, tends was... to not be a positive one. Yeah, my yeah, neither right. of ours. So was. I think that that's like a big part of the conversation that we have to, you know, maybe add into with our perspectives. We're right. like, I feel like everybody can hear us. Like, there are pros, like, and there <laughs> are, but like, we're very honest when we talk. Oh right? yeah, and I think that because of both of our exits, it almost like overshadows, like you were saying, mm-hmm. our ability to see all of like the good. We see it, but it's easier to focus right. on that that last portion and that last chapter. But I look at how much I did learn and the connections I made with people I still talk to to this day, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, I, that's actually what motivated me so much for the salon setting that we have here. Like right. if, if somebody ever came to me and it's something that we talk about each time, it, I wouldn't say that we have an interview per se, but I guess for lack of better words, interview for just a quicker synopsis of when right. somebody comes, you know, we always make sure that when a new stylist or an artist comes, like they're a good fit for the salon, meaning like the energy aligns because we all work for ourselves. So like we, get rid of that drama of oh she's getting fed more clients than me or any of that because you're all here booking yourself stocking your own color doing all of that stuff right um but it's the exit that I also bring up uh because there's the potential that you're gonna outgrow this space right um you know, in the perfect world, I'd want to make everybody happy where they stay with us forever. And that's not from a financial place, but it's from a place of I'm I'm hard on myself to make this space so comfortable for everybody because I really love everybody that we work mm-hmm. with, right? Oh, for sure. But with that being said, if anybody were to come to us and say, I'm ready for my next step and that next step means I've got to leave – it's so important that I bring it up when we talk in the beginning that we will be there cheering you on. Like if you have right. those questions, ask us. If there's things we can help you with, we will help you. Like it's not you have to like whisper to your client in the corner that you're leaving and you start collecting their numbers. First off, you have all of their information. <laughs> but second off, no, we want to be at your grand opening. We want to be a part of whatever next right, step that sure. is. And, and that's I... maybe the version of salon I've taken on that I want to change the story about because I hate that we're looking at the salon pros and cons list. And I think both of us struggle to get past our own personal disdain to just like, right. you know, like. Well, and because like I. I mean, and like I had said before, like mine was kind of like a slow progression Mm -hmm. into like independence and, you know, kind of like this downward, 
I don't know, like hill that I was on at the salon. Yeah. But in general, like I really did enjoy my time at like the last salon and all of that. And we're talking about exits and I'll be transparent. That was one of the things that like I really went back and forth on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of like the biggest discussions about going independent wasn't necessarily like, should I do it? It's, well, how am I going to leave this salon? Because in our industry, you know, I guess one of the cons that like we can bring up for a salon is that, you know, you're not necessarily in in control of your clientele. Like you don't necessarily have their phone numbers or whatever. And I think social media has helped with that some. Yeah. Um, Like, cause all my clients definitely follow me on social media, which made it a lot easier. But, you know, for those clients who don't have social media or, you know, anything or my number, it was definitely a lot harder. Mm -hmm. And I think the salon in general, like kind of in my experience from like the salons that I've been to, like they guard that clientele roster so hard. Right. Which, I mean makes sense because that's their livelihood as well that's how what keeps Mm -hmm. the salon running is people coming through the door but you know you don't want to tell them too soon because then are they just going to fire you yeah and then you're not ready to go yeah or you know and then my struggle was well I I was always raised like when you leave one job you give your two weeks notice right you try to do the right right, thing you do the right thing Mm -hmm. coming from like that corporate background with my corporate you know parents or whatever yeah and I really struggled for like the whole week that I was setting up my suite and it was like I guess I'm just gonna go in Saturday and at the end of the day it's honest yeah. you know tell the owners that it's my last day and it felt horrible it's probably the number one thing that I regret about my exit is that I didn't give notice because, like I said, like, the owner and I were friends. Like, we Mm -hmm. had gone to nail school together and everything. So it really was a hard decision. Yeah. And it's probably, like, the one thing that I still feel, like, shitty about. Yeah. Because, you know, it was all fine to my face, and then the next day I, you know. You were. Blocked. Yeah, off everything. Everything. Yeah. Even Venmo. Yeah. (laughs) Even Venmo. (laughs) We had to lead in to explain that. And I think what um, I it will left that air yes, of like just I mean, really. I gave my notice. Uh, it didn't last clearly, um, <laughs> but I will say this before I even get into like my story of that perspective too. I think what's important to touch on because I definitely think that I don't want to say I was jaded because that's not it. My story definitely made me extremely passionate Mm -hmm. about certain things that I honestly, like when I first graduated hair school, I stood up and when I first started, I should say not graduated, I said, I'm going to own a salon. And then I got into the first salon that I worked at, which was the only one pre-independence, and uh, asked me like two months in, and I said I'd never own a salon in my life because this <laughs> seems like a crazy headache. Um, and then once I went through what I went through, I was like, no, I fucking want to own something that changes the storyline. And I never looked down upon anybody that chose more of the salon route, and I still don't. 
but I definitely would say for a little while I was very bitter after my experience leaving. Yeah. And I was like, why does it have to be this way? Yeah. What I will say is I've come across so many more people in our industry who have taken on the thought processes we're talking about yeah that do own or have goals of owning so i see changes coming like for instance um one of our hat clients that we make a good portion of hats for owns a beautiful salon um out of state she comes down for like her extension classes and everything down here And she owns a commission style salon, but hearing her talk, um, there's no like going after clients. There's none of that. She also has exit interviews, which I think is a really, really um, great thing because I think that provides like that lack of um, personal offense. Like you, for me, hearing somebody in our industry actually have that which is such an uncommon thing to hear of yeah um that to me is the first sign of a really great business owner well i should say if they're like open-minded right um because to me an exit interview it shows me that what what is it that made you want to leave and maybe there's things I can improve on, right? Of course. And I hope that that exit interview is an open communication with both sides of of just venting and talking and wishing you the best on your next journey. And that's what she was talking about, how she really does wish any stylist the best as they head out. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think that that's amazing. And that's what I mean with, like, there is definitely, like, the evolvement happening where there are the pluses for salons. It's just so hard to get past, like, our experiences of what those exits mean (laughs) to get to the other side of it. Um, Well, and I think some, I mean, and I don't want to, like, generalize this, but I know, like, I could probably say, at least for you and I, the salon owners that we've worked for have very much that old school mentality mentality where, you know, you work for me your whatever like there why would you ever want to leave this is the greatest place on the face of the earth let me put it this way from like business structure on the other side of business ownership right like and again this is like a little off topic so we gotta get back (laughs) back to our bullet points but (laughs) i feel um, like people like our off topic I have always said this ever since my um, time of exit because I did attempt to to give two weeks notice Mm -hmm. and I think I lasted three days. Um, (laughs) But if one person leaving is enough to shake your entire business model to the point that you are stressed financially, you need to have a point of self-reflection with your business model. And I will say that time and time again. If it becomes personal enough that you need to exile that person when they've simply just left to move on with their life, right? and that 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 choosing to move on with their life. Now, don't get me wrong. If they're motherfucking you and they're throwing you underneath the bus and they're saying untruthful things rather than just moving on with their lives, then okay, you know what? Block them, move on too, because you have to protect what you've built. But if they're coming to you in an honest place and saying, I need more and I need my next step, and especially if they're coming to you to tell you that they're going independent, that is your time you should cheer for them because 
it shouldn't be about the hit you're taking because if your business model's strong enough, you know that that seat opening up, well, yes, it's inevitably going to hurt if it's a bigger booker and you're right. a commission stylist salon, or even if you're a booth rental salon. Either way, that's an income that will be lacking. If you've built a great business structure, that chair opening should attract a new individual coming in. Right. And that's where I think that we talk so much about old school style salons. Like a lot of salons have been built on this fear tactic. And I think we're kind of like the end of that generation of Mm -hmm. still having to absorb that. Where I see like the newer artists coming in, they have boundaries like no other. Uh, Like you want to... You want to come up to them and try to be crazy and say some things. You want to present them a contract. You want to do all those things. They're going to tell you to fuck all the way off. And they might not. They might say it right like that. They might not even say it professionally. Um, And I definitely think like we were of that last little hump of thinking that the only way you could run a salon was with that fear tactic attached to it. Right. For Um, sure. Which I think is why we list certain things as to why we went independent and we find cons in salon right whereas i feel like some people coming out of beauty school now might just be like well being independent is what you do like when you and i came out like it was really you had to go into it right like i remember like somebody telling me like oh well this is booth rental like if you don't have a clientele like you can't do it you you probably won't be able to right. afford it, mm-hmm. which I mean made sense to me because right. if I only if I'm only seeing one or two people a day right. and that pays my station, then I'm not going to be making any money. Any money, exactly, which is a big conversation to have for sure. Um, I think it's all about financially, like when you sit down and you look at your sales, what benefits you the most? If you really want to get to the nitty gritty, what are we doing this for? It's our career, right? Well, and it's to make money. Right. We need income. At the end of the day. Um, What's your structure in the salon you work in? If you're a commission-based salon, what's your commission split? What does that commission split include when they, their percentage what does it include a lot of salons have back charges today what do those back charges look like those are all questions that you never realize you have to ask until you get burned but those are questions you have to ask because listen you could come into a commission style salon and you could think okay cool we're on a 50 50 split well wait a minute is that 50 percent that they're keeping including product Because if it's not, let me help you understand what a back charge is if you're newer and you haven't headed into that yet. Or a nail person and you have no idea what that is. Right. (laughs) So a back charge is something that a lot of commission style salons, I don't want to say all because that wouldn't be fair because, again, we don't know every business model out there. Of course. A lot of commission salons, from our experience, do back charges. Back charges are to pay for the product. So meaning I apply a color, right? So a base color, let's say $65 for the base color. Okay, 8 to $10 is what your potential back charge could be. So 8 to $10 comes off of that, and then you split it 50-50. So you're splitting, let's do the math here, so you can really figure out what your commission split is. So technically, a 50-50 split without a back charge on a $65 service would mean you would profit $32.50, right? 
Okay. So now, $65. Let's say the back charge is $9. Let's meet in between. So let's subtract $9 off the top. So now we're at 56. So now we divide that by two. So you've taken 28, right? Right. And the other person has taken back charge plus commission. So now, let's say 65 minus 28, because that's what you've profited right. from that service you just provided. The other person got $37 from that service. So upon reflection, are you on a 50-50 split? Exactly. So it depends. And really. Okay, so there may be space for back charging depending on the type of pricing that they require because that's another thing. If you work for a salon and you're commission-based, you don't set your own pricing normally. Right. You follow salon pricing. So let's talk about the pricing that they ask you to charge it may be higher than what you would charge for yourself confidently so you could be benefiting depending right so if the back charges exist but then you're at a higher price point than you would price yourself out being independent you could weigh it out that that might be okay mm -hmm. now i'm just um <laughs> gonna do one more little thing of math uh how do you figure out percentage times 27? What? No. No, nope, I don't know. How, oh, I. What's. Damn. Let me just ask Siri. <laughs> what percentage of 65 is 37? 56.9%. So almost 57%. Right. Nope. Okay. So thanks, Siri, because we weren't doing that on our own. <laughs> nope, nope. Okay. Nope. So now we have to sit there and say so it's really more close to a 60 40 split than it is a 50-50 split. Exactly. And then a lot of commission salons, when you come straight out of hair school, don't even want to give you 50-50. Right, they're going to um, give you less. 40-60. So now the salon's keeping 60 and you're keeping 40. Now imagine if you have back charges. So now that same math I just did, you might be at 33% or 35%. Yeah. Which is why I don't think commission salons are the, gr the greatest like I just don't see like and this was my thing when I was going independent the math does not commute compute to me because there is no way I mean coming from somebody doing nails that I can charge let's say $40 for a service and make only half of that because I was a 50-50 split make only $20 of that and let's say I saw 10 clients that day that all got that service. Mm -hmm. You're telling me I'm only making $200 a day? Right. Like, you can't survive off of that. It's so, not realistic. Right. I Which think is financially, the, you know, the natural inclination is to go independent. Right. Especially now. I think that people tend to gravitate towards independence more than anything right. else. I think, but that's in general. Like, we saw a big turn, especially after COVID, of right. people in all avenues of business wanting to work for themselves. Exactly. Um, and that's just a whole other aspect of society changing. Right. I have a few stylists that, you know, I follow. I shouldn't even say stylists because they're really, I, I mean, they have a huge following on social media. Few of them run commission style salons. I think that offers like a different conversation because if you're telling me like one of them specifically is on the West Coast and it's like beautiful and it's in a very expensive location. Right. And it's aesthetically 
incredible. They have access to a lot of continued education. Um, if I see somebody's business structure where it's commission, but you see that person putting in so much work to make sure that commission style salon provides a lot of opportunity to I think that's different their right you know their staff or however you'd want to call it like employees but it's so difficult because it's all about the business structure for me it um, is it, be- it is a hundred percent because if you're at a commission salon but they're bringing in professionals once a month to doing continuing yeah. education okay take half my money because right a right. class, you know, it can be five, six hundred dollars. Yeah, and if you're connecting or you're getting more connection, um, you know, to more things while this is all occurring, I right. think a lot of that has to be said too. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, as as a busy stylist that has headed into business ownership and has worked and really grown a business based off of their likeness on social media too mm-hmm. and their ability to educate and learn because a lot of times you see people who open salons are all you know at that level right. of following tend to be very very heavily involved in like the education in right. our industry yeah for sure um I can understand why they go the commission route because I think that they pull in a lot of business to their salon. So they feel commission's the fairest way for them to be maybe, I don't know, like, do you get what I'm saying? Like rewarded, like in the Mm -hmm. sense that like there's an aspect of their likeness that's bringing more people in that are calling because they want to go to that salon because of who owns that salon because of what social media has done around that salon. Right. So then if there are stylists working there, it's fair to say that some of the people coming in aren't doing it solely because they found that person on social media and they just really want that person to do their hair. There is the conversation to be presented that they may be coming to the salon because of the salon truthfully especially at that level yeah so I can see the perspective of saying like the commission's the fairest way for that person to still receive reward for the business they're bringing to your table for you to take does that make sense no it makes sense for sure um me I, I I struggle like we talk you know, now of taking somebody out of hair school, because there's the conversation that, you know, um, Allie, as she heads out of hair school, we have the goal of transitioning her onto the floor. Right. Um, And we've thrown around a whole bunch of different ideas. And of course, Allie's the first one we need to (laughs) lock down what works best with for her. Um, But we've thought like, would it be helpful for her if we start her off commission? Not because we're trying to be greedy. I think anybody who, you know, is in our space knows that that's the farthest right. thing from it. But we always look at it like our end goal is to make sure that you're successful. So we have thrown out the idea. Would it make sense? And this is if we were to take anybody who's still building and not ready to go independent on their own yet. Would it make sense to start them off? as a commission stylist, but help them monitor their sales. And when they're hitting a certain sale number consistently weekly, we know that they're ready to pay for that chair rental. They know they're ready for that chair rental and they can phase right into business ownership. Exactly. And I think that 
to me, in my personal opinion, like that makes the most sense. I know a lot of like different nail artists who've come, like gone to nail school and gone right into suite ownership and they've done amazing things. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't think it was ever the right decision, like mm-hmm. to have just gone straight into suite ownership, like as soon as I went full time with nails. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't regret it. Like I learned no. something from each and every one of the salons that I was at. Um, and then do I want to own a salon? Probably not. Like, I don't know if that's ever <laughs> my goal or my intention. I mean, I haven't, I don't know, I guess I just still haven't decided, but yeah. <laughs> I'm also really like, I toy with it. Like it's something that like Evan and I talk about because like with, me starting doing more classes like right. I would love a bigger space like that I could to host really, classes yeah but then like even Evan will look at me and he's like but that's not why you went to like where you are like the salon at Plaid and Pinned he's like you want it to be around other people and I'm like I know like <laughs> which is why I'm but not in a rush to like, do it we always are like well maybe another spot will open up here and we'll just keep busting through walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you I'm know like, kidding because I I do see it, like I right, but I don't know that the both, but you would miss. I would miss this. The that's why we just need a a education room two doors down that you could just pop over to, Melissa. I say that we're so supportive and that we're okay with people leaving, (laughs) and then I'm like, no, but we'll find a solution to make you stay. (laughs) We're fine with like supporting other people leaving, just not each other. Please don't leave me. No, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, I think like it's so when it comes to the salon, I think it really has to do with more my advice, because I think it's turned into that with us laying both out. um, It's shopping for the right salon. It doesn't mean a salon setting is bad. It's knowing what you're looking for. It's knowing that you know, there are certain things that a salon needs to provide for you to make it fair for both of you, just as you have to provide certain things for a salon. Listen, like if you're heading into a commission salon and they're you know, business structure is done properly where you're their employee, then yeah, you do have to be there for certain days and times. And if they are trusting that you are now a part of their name, then yeah, you do have to show up to work and you have to be pulled together because you are in in a sense representing their space so that is something to think about um they do have a right to have you to a certain standard right I think anytime you're working in somebody else's space and you're working together I mean I'm also you know we love the word mutual respect that's a big thing for me but um yeah that's that's I mean if somebody were to come to me and try to sell me that their you know salon experience was toxic just because they held you to a standard no like no matter where it is right if it's toxic in the sense that there's things where you were being taken advantage of yes or there's a lot of cattiness or whatever like i think those things are very typical of salons right even like working here even though we all own our own businesses like well I say as I'm sitting here recording in sweats at a tank top. <laughs> but yeah, but no. When, but when there's more clients here, like I would never show up like when it's a full house on a Saturday, right? With bedhead, my sweats, my Birkenstock. Like I wouldn't do right. that. Like I would want to present like an I. And I think that really goes like back to like front. with our business 
here and our and the way that we run it, it really does function off right. of respect for one another. Exactly. Um, it's probably not like I always say, and I said it during COVID. Like I'm not the boss here. Neither is Julian. We're nobody's boss. Everybody owns their own businesses. We do own the space. And listen, there are certain things, like especially during COVID, and I use that example the most, that you have to adhere by. Because when I get fined, you're not getting fined. I'm getting fined when all of that conversation was happening, right? So those things, yes, even if you're, you know, tax wise independent and you own your own business if you're working in a space with others at all that's something that you definitely have to keep in mind you do have to respect others you do have to respect that you know when other people are around that you have to just be cognizant like that's the only way i could say it so if that's something that doesn't align with you if you really want full control and you want to focus solely on kind of your vibe your aesthetic your conversations even, you know, if that is all of the things that you want to be 130% in control of, then independent suite suite is what you need to do. Versus a booth rental salon. Right. And I feel like we've talked about salons like a whole bunch and like why we love being independent, but there are some cons to being independent. Oh, absolutely. As well. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think I've dealt with, I mean, not in a bad way, but like, three text messages just today since being here yeah hey I need to switch my appointment Mm -hmm. or whatever and and while I don't normally mind like I think when you first go independent it rattles you more it's like now like we're like not faced by having I mean I am the worst texter in all of America so (laughs) anybody knows that um but you know, like, we're not so phased about having to catch up on, on the text exactly. or anything like that. Like, that becomes something that you get used to. But in the beginning, it is for sure super overwhelming. It's very um, – I, I mean, I remember when I first, like, posted on my Instagram, like, starting this day, I'm going to yeah. be in a suite. Like, not only the comments of, like, support, like, on the, the actual But the messages, post, like, the huge influx. The DMs, the text messages. And I was just like, uh, yeah, what's I, going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, in my experience – when I first went independent, um, like I had one specific person who I like tried to, I think they like, you know, I, I couldn't do anything. I left. Right. So right. there was nothing that I could do. Um, and it was like, if you found me, you found me. And that's right. And, and I was booked out. So that was a very difficult thing. So one of the people that was pre-booked out um had gotten in contact with me and you know we confirmed it whatever and we were good to go and then she was a little late and it was like my first week and I was like not with an assistant yet it was a dumpster fire of a first week like I think to (laughs) clarify with my exit when I say like the two-week thing um and I only made it a few days. Like, my husband came, like, after I finished, like, my last day there because it was just – it was a very, very mentally draining um, week for me and helped me pack up. And we left, and we were there setting up to, like, 1 in the morning at my studio. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't have an assistant um, because – let me rewind so it makes more sense. I, of course, was prepping – and getting ready for it, um, it was an extremely secretive thing. It yep, was they always are. It was such a toxic thing. 
Um, I was sitting on that, and then somebody got a hold of that information, and because it was such a big, you know, salon setting, decided to start spreading it. Um, and it was the biggest blessing in the long run that it was spread because it was a Band-Aid I didn't want to rip off that I was, like, prolonging. So I went in and I said I don't want it to come from anybody else. I have no idea how it's even being discussed, but, yes, I'm taking this step. And in turn, the next few days ensued into, um, you know, lawsuits being threatened and things like that, and it was just very clear that I needed to go for my own mental (laughs) well-being aside from everything else. So when I left, I had, like, and that was what was so much anxiety for me was I had, like, a pre-booked out schedule that I was a big part of. Um, I was very active on social media and a lot of people reached out to me via social media to book. And I booked a lot of my own clients because I used to be a receptionist at the salon that I worked at previous to getting onto the floor. So I was a big part of my book. So I was kind of already used to booking my own clients because like a lot of people would come in for consults and then I would come up and oversee too like how it was booked from time to time because I was running on such like a consistent schedule and stuff so when I left I was what the people who found me and came with me you know immediately when I posted that I had gone I was like they were like can I still keep my appointment and I was working by myself I didn't have an assistant yet like it was just a mess Mm -hmm. so anyway long story short this person like gets on the phone with me and like starts kind of like yelling at me about how unprofessional I am because I left and she had consulted with me before I had left and you know she couldn't get in touch with me and da 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 and it was my first experience really absorbing that because right. you have a receptionist who absorbs all of that when you're right. at a salon like they kind of get bitched out before you do exactly it's and overwhelming in my head I'm thinking like oh my god like because I mean my husband was he could be the first witness I was like in a fetal position every night like <laughs> shivering and crying with anxiety because I just thought I flipped my whole life upside down um and so she doesn't know that she's just calling and cursing me out because in her mind she's like I waited eight weeks for this appointment with her and then you leave you don't call me but she didn't realize I couldn't call her because legally that wasn't allowed (laughs) there were so many layers to it so you get that call and you're getting bitched out for the first time and you're yeah in your head thinking like I'm going through so much like you know like in your head, you're like, I don't deserve this. But guess what? In a way, you kind of just signed up for it is right. what I'm getting to. <laughs> like, yes, I was stressed beyond belief. Like, I had nervous shits for week, like, <laughs> weeks like no other. Like, it was buck wild. Like, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you just signed up to absorb those calls. Yeah. So listen, absorbing it could have been if she came at you a little too rude. Because, I mean, we got through it and it was fine. But. She came at you a little too rude. I guess you could choose the route of, yeah, your appointments are all canceled now. Fuck off. Like, well, not I, really, but like but internally. But I think the difference now between us now and us then, we would have been right. like, yeah, bye. Mm-hmm. And But then, like, that nervousness, like, when you first go independent, it's like, okay, I know I have a full book. I know I'm great at what I do. I know, I know all of these things, but then it's like, 
am I going to have clients left? Right. So then it's you're nervous. almost scared to say no to anybody. Exactly. So like even if somebody's screaming at you, you're like, oh, figure it out. Um, I guess that's like what my first experience of like a con was, right? Yeah. Like right away being greeted with that, I was like, whoa, I just willingly signed up for this yep. and I'm about to get sued for what I just signed up for too, probably. <laughs> like what the fuck was I thinking just at that moment that I was thankful all over again. But yeah, I mean, that's like your first thing. You are accessible to everybody. Yep. There's pros to that. You're accessible to everybody, meaning all your awesome clients can just reach out to you directly, figure it out. You don't have to wait to like get a note from your receptionist to go look at your book. You can give that client an answer faster. You can maybe move somebody that you know is waiting to get in sooner. Yeah. And I think you definitely build more of a personal relationship with your clients. For sure. And that leads to more loyalty too, I find. I um, think so. Because there's less separation between you and them. Them. So that's a really big plus. Now, with that being said, those amazing clients, it also means you're accessible to everybody. So there's people you probably don't want to be accessible to. Um, whether it be that you've, listen, we've all made mistakes. We've all provided services that we wish we could go back and fix. I think we can agree. Yes, right? of course. Um, but without <laughs> doing those mistakes, we wouldn't learn and evolve to better. Uh, so... There's that even like you may have messed up somebody's nails or hair. You yeah. now are the customer service and HR department for yourself. So exactly. Whereas you would have a receptionist reach, who would yeah, deal who's with handling that. that. Or you could send them to I don't know maybe like another nail person to like to fix the crack or to mm -hmm. repolish something or something like that. Well, when you don't have that, it's it's only you. Yeah. And, you know, that's hard. And especially when you first go independent, you know, trying to figure out, like, this person, okay, well, they had a 9 a.m. on Saturdays, but now you only have a this time. You know, like, right. trying to figure all of that out is definitely a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And then also balancing, like, the business side of it, too. Right. Like, I think, you know, especially with salons, not only product, but cleaning stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, think towels, mm -hmm. like your disinfectant, whatever is mm -hmm. you know, like all of those things that you as an employee or of a salon or something like that never really had to worry about before. Right. I mean, it's it's an eye opener and it's overwhelming. It is. No, I mean, I, I definitely feel like and then sometimes people would be asking me like questions that like they would ask a receptionist and you'd be like why are you prolonging this conversation so much and i mean i'm just gonna be fully honest here we've all felt it like oh yeah when you first sure. go independent you're like okay you're in on 9 a.m on blah 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 date like i don't want to talk about our signs or whatever <laughs> not in a mean way right. but you're just like so overwhelmed and that's not an attack against that person it's just about the aspect that you are now running everything so everything listen well at nine on whatever date we booked you we'll chat you know right so <laughs> you start to like have to like reevaluate like your ability to balance communication because you also can't be a dick like yeah somebody reaching out being nice to you and they're like oh my god okay and like saying something nice you can't be like okay Thanks. Like you have right. to, you're now that customer service face. So you represent yourself and there's so many pros to representing yourself. 
but you represent yourself. So depending, there can be some cons. Like I know I got frustrated about things that I shouldn't have been frustrated about because bitch, you signed up for it. So (laughs) how are you going to sit here and complain for what you just signed up for? And this is what our every three week nail appointments are for right. so that we can vent to each other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like to me, it's, it's also a con. It is all on you. Yeah. And if you're not ready for that, like when you go independent, you get overwhelmed really fast. And I think too, with it all being on you, like let's talk about reviews, right? Cause it's a thing that runs this world today. Yeah. Um, so when you work at a salon, I think sometimes, I, I don't know if you'd agree, the salon almost gets reviewed a little harder than you do if right. something goes bad. Yep. Um, it's less about you. It's more about the salon, especially if they called and they didn't request you per se. Right. And they were placed with you. It's more of a salon-like negative yeah. thing. Um, but when somebody sought you out, found you specifically, and then you are your own business owner, that bad review, while it sucks universally, it sucks 10 times more when it's all on you. Yeah, Like when you get that same bad review and you're like, oh my God, from start to finish, it was me. Like their entire (laughs) experience was me. So I am the only one that fucked up. You have nobody else to blame. Not that you should blame. You should always self-reflect, but let's be honest, we all do it. It's easier when you're in a setting where there are people to blame to blame other people. I think that that's like a human reaction that like you only evolve past with self-growth of realizing you can't function like that. Um, But that hurts 10 times harder when you're independent and people will not always have leverage in what they're saying. And sometimes they will have leverage where you have to reevaluate and look at how you're doing things and maybe think about hearing what they're saying and adjust certain things to do differently. Right. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is why we are review ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's what, I mean, Yelp and things like that can also be very good to help Yeah, definitely. There's, We've talked there's, about that before. There's definitely, like, really great positives. I think... All of it com- comes down to the same thing, and and you have to think about what your your business goals are. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself? I think there's great opportunity for growth in a salon setting previous to going independent. But what you really need to figure out, if you are in a salon setting, is will that salon be supportive of that next step for you? And so if your next step is independence, but you want to start in a salon first so it's a little less overwhelming, then you need to make sure you're shopping for the right salon that will support that for you in the long run. For sure. And hopefully meet your financial goals, which we will be talking about soon. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and if anybody tries to give you a contract or a non-compete, don't fucking sign it. That's... (laughs) We have a whole (laughs) episode planned for that, There was a bullet point about non-competes, so I thought I'd just throw that out there. (laughs) How many times can you say lawsuit in one podcast? Yeah. (laughs) Red flag. (laughs) Run. (laughs) Or don't run, just don't sign it. (laughs) Whatever you want to do. Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I hope that helps some people 
Yeah, I think Compared we touched to on a lot of stuff. Um, I think we went back and forth between pros and cons, and we sometimes well, showed that pros could be cons and cons could be pros. Exactly. So I think there's a lot of information to take away from today. For sure. Um, I hope. And if anybody's looking to take that leap of whatever version leap that leap is, reach out to us because we're two sure. people that can give you guidance. We've experienced different versions of... A plethora. Of lessons. Yes. Um... And, you know, we're always accessible via direct message on the Beauty Beast podcast. Or via email at thebeautybeastpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you did sign a non-compete, I do have a really awesome attorney. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> we won't put his information in the show notes. No. <laughs> I think I would get in trouble because he's pretty by the book. <laughs> Until next time. Yeah, until next time.